You guys ready? You guys excited? I'm Pastor Deej. I'm one of the pastors here at Connect Community Church. And I just want to say to you, if you're new here, if this is your first time at Connect, or if you're watching us on cable television or online, I just want to say welcome. I'm so glad you're, you're with us. And uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Derek Fry, is not with us today. He's actually down in Oklahoma checking out a college for Morgan, his youngest daughter. And typically when he's out, I get to introduce the guest speaker. So today is not, not, not anything different. So um, we've been blessed with many great um, guest speakers, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, so today I get the pleasure to introduce our guest speaker. So come on, let's everybody stand on your feet and get ready to give a connect welcome, a nice, warm connect welcome. Come on, to me. <laughs> I gotcha. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Sit down. Now, with all kidding aside, I just want to say that it is really an honor for me. It's a privilege to be on this platform and just uh, sharing a few things that God has put in my heart. So let's open up with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity I have to be right here on this platform, Lord, and just to be sharing uh, with your people, Lord, sharing with your church the things that you have put in my heart over the last couple of weeks. God, I pray that you make my words your words. I pray that you open every ear to hear what you have to say. And you open every heart to welcome your word and to make dwelling for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said a big? Amen. All right, so we are on week four of our series, Jesus Is. And let me just do a quick recap. The first week, um, the message title was, Jesus is my sacrifice. And we all know that Jesus died for us. But sometimes we ask the question, why did he actually have to die? So that is addressed in that message. Second week was um, Easter Sunday. Um, the message title was, Jesus is my champion. So, yes, he died, but he rose again. Praise the Lord. And now, yes, it was a, a beautiful, powerful event back then. But how does it relate to us today? That is, again, in that message. Last week, PD talked about Jesus as our healer and the power of healer that we have through the name of Jesus Christ. And if you want to know more information about these messages, please check it out online. It's all there or at our uh, YouTube channel. So you guys ready to get going this morning? So you can open up your, um, you know, smartphones and, um, uh, or your worship guide. You can open up to your you version, uh, or you can open up your worship guide. All the, the message notes and everything is going to be there as we follow along the message today. Now let me open up with a story. So not too long ago, my wife, uh, Sarah, and David, my youngest one, they went out um, and they were just doing some errands. I think he was getting a haircut or something. And then Lucas and I stayed behind. And we stayed at, at the house, and Lucas is my oldest one. He's five and a half. And we were just playing around and, and uh, just having a good time, father and son time. And we both like superheroes. So, and, and he thinks that I'm Superman. So he goes up to his room. He goes up to his room, and he puts um, his uh, Batman costume. And then he comes downstairs, and then he tells me to go and put my costume on too. Just so you don't judge me, I don't have a full costume, just, just so you know, you know. But I do have a Superman shirt. And I put that on. It actually says Super Dad. It's kind of cheesy, but I don't care because my son is happy and so am I. So I go on and I put, you know, I do whatever a Super Dad would do. I put on the Super Dad shirt. And I go downstairs and we, we go to, uh, you know, fight crime in the living room. And, and as, we're, as we're talking and he's strategizing, and then he asks me, like, Dad, are you really Superman? I say, yeah, of course I am Superman. And I said, there's nobody stronger than Daddy. There's nobody stronger than Daddy, just Jesus. And he goes, like, okay, okay. And he goes like, 
Really, Dad? Even Papa D? Papa D is Pastor Derek. Even Papa D? Because he's smart. He sees the difference. <laughs> and, then I, and then I look at him and say, look, look, Lucas. Papa D is, he looks stronger, but Daddy is actually stronger. So there's nobody, nobody stronger than Daddy. Just Jesus. And then, we, and then we go on playing, you know, and we strategize how we're going to take down the bad guys and, and so forth. And we have a blast. But he wants to wrestle. He has that energy in him and he wants to, you know, have that, that time with me. So every now and then I'm Superman, his ally, or every now and then I'm the villain. So he comes at me with all he got and, and he's trying to beat me up and so forth. And, and we're just having that great time. So there's this particular time, I'm like holding him here. He's trying to punch me and kick me. And then the phone rings. And I look to the phone. I'm going to go grab the phone. So you see how open I am? Just You see where this is going? So I go to grab the phone and all of a sudden he comes at me with all he got and he kicks me. So without any other details, let's say that within half a second I was on the floor gasping for air. And then he goes like, he, he goes down like at my level, my eye level. And he goes like, but dad, you're Superman. You're not supposed to feel pain. And I'm like, this Superman is down. The truth is, we all have, you know, every now and then pretended to be someone or to be something that we're not. Whether we do that to impress somebody on a first date uh, or to impress somebody on a job application. Or we do that to scare somebody off. Or we do that to even encourage ourselves. Sometimes we pretend to be somebody that we're not. And I know that we all have, you know, dreams and, and, and um, aspirations and goals ahead of ourselves. But let me tell you something. Pretending that we are somebody else somebody that we're not, is really not the way to get there. Otherwise, we end up sooner or later down on the floor gasping for air like I was. So are you with me? So setting goals for ourselves is really important. But in order for us to set goal and then kind of make a, a, a trajectory or make a route to get from point A to point B, you really have to take a hard look where point A is. You can't really successfully um, route your, your way to point B if you don't know where point A is. So we have to be realistic and take a look at ourselves. So if I want to lift the same amount of weight as PD does, I know I have to look at myself. I know I'm not going to be able to do that in a couple of days. I know it will take me at least a week. So <laughs> why are you guys laughing? Hmm. I don't know why you guys laughing. I think I can do it in two weeks. No, I'm kidding. But, you know, I remember years ago I went to Six Flags. Uh, it was Six Flags, uh, New Jersey. We didn't even have Six Flags New England. This was in, in the year of 2000, so 16 years ago. And my friend and I, we got there, and actually a bunch of us, but two of us went to this new ride. It was a new crazy roller coaster like, like I've never seen before. Who here is a fan of the roller coasters? All right, a lot of you guys. Yeah, I love that thrill, the adrenaline. It's just crazy. I just don't like the headache I get out of it with. But still, I, I love that kind of thing. So we get there, and it's a big line. We, went, we wait about two hours to get to the front. And then as we get there, and I see the, you know, the, what I was about to enter, and, and I start to have a little bit of fear. And I start to think, like, okay, I think I'm a little too big for this little metal bar that is supposed to hold me. And I think this thing is going to break. And then I swing the opposite direction, and I think, I think I'm a little too small. I think I'm going to slip right through it, and I'm going to fall. And today is the last, my last day on earth. But, you know, but anyways, everybody going. I wasn't going to be the only one that chickens out. You know, I was grown up already, so sort of, you know. So I ended up going in. So let's go. So I sit at the very last seat, at the very last little cart. 
And I see the park employees are just like going fast and fast because they need to get people in and out fast. There was a big line. So I, I try to be helpful, and I bring the metal bar by myself. And I bring it down as I see them, them doing it. And, and one of them is doing it, and the other one is just going and checking, making sure that it was locked in place like they always do. So he, they get to the, to the cart uh, in front of me. They check it, and then they turn away, and they don't check mine. I was like, why? Why didn't you check my seat? So I, I just call his attention and say, hey, man, I, I don't think you checked my seat. He doesn't even answer. He continues to walk. And then I raise my voice a little bit. Hey, man, I don't think you check. You got to check my seat. And he, he, he looks at me. He goes like, you're fine. And, and he walks away again. I'm like, dude, you got to check my seat. I don't want to die today. And, you know, you got to check my seat. So he kept on walking, and then the ride starts going. So as the ride starts going, like I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm looking at him as I go. And I have this face, like half of my face is like scared to death. Like this is probably my last day on earth. And the other part of my face is like I will pound you to the ground when I get out of here. <laughs> it's okay. I, I was not a pastor and this was New Jersey anyway. So <laughs> nobody knew me. But I remember, I remember being so mad. And as I was going by, he goes like, you're fine. You're fine. And then he says something. He says, just hold on and let go. And I processed that quickly. I was like, what kind of advice is that? You know, do I hold on? Do I let go? Do I hold on? Do I let go? It was crazy. Turns out I had a blast. I did not die, as you can see. Um, and it was just awesome. And then I ended up forgetting the whole thing. But the, the thing is, he said something that stuck with me. Just hold on and let go. Just to hold on and let go. And for sometimes in our lives, we have to hold on of some things and let go of some stuff. Isn't that right? So this is your uh, today's big idea is hold on and let go. You can write that down. Uh, and we're going to dive now into a Bible text in the Old Testament, very Old Testament. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis. Now, this series, we've, we've stayed a lot in the New Testament. But this time around today, we're going to go into Old Testament. We're going to stay kind of there. So you can open up your Bible, your digital Bible, your glow stick Bible, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you can open it to Genesis 32. And while you do that, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background of what's happening at that particular time. So Genesis 25, seven chapters before, we get introduced to this character in the Bible. Very big deal. Uh, his name is Jacob. You guys all heard of Jacob, right? So he is Jacob, the son of Isaac, and he had a twin brother, Esau. Uh, now, Esau was the firstborn. So he was the one that was born first, I mean, as you can see. Uh, so he had some certain privileges, certain rights that a firstborn at that particular time and culture had. And Jacob wanted those rights. So he uses of his intellect. He come up with a very conniving, deceiving uh, way to trick his brother. Uh, actually, very simple, to be honest, just with a plate of food. Um, maybe I would fall for that. I don't know. But still, uh, he comes up with, a, with a, um, a plot to be able to get his brother to sell him the birthright. Now, the birthright would give uh, whoever holds the birthright would have a double portion or a double dose of the inheritance when the father would pass away. It would, uh, the person would also take successorship of the, like mean, being the man of the house. And with that comes authority because of all the servants and all of that. So that was the birthright. And David go, um, Jacob goes ahead and tricks his brother into selling him the birthright. But Esau, at that particular time, he wasn't that concerned about it. Because he still had the blessing, which was yet another privilege that he would have as the firstborn. Now, the blessing was the spiritual transfer of the, of the blessing and of the promises of God to that family line. So when, when God told Abraham 
his grandfather, when God told Abraham, I'm going to make you into a mighty nation, it wasn't going to be accomplished in Abraham's time. It was going to go from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Esau, and then from Esau to his firstborn, and so on and so on. You get me? Uh, now, Jacob knew that that's where the real blessing was. That's where the divine provision was, and he wanted that too. So he tricks his father, Isaac, who is very old at this time, almost blind. He tricks his father into giving him the blessing, pretending that he was Esau. And he does that. His father gives him the blessing, and Esau finds out. When Esau finds out, he plots to kill him. Knowing that, Jacob flees, and he goes to uh, his uncle Laban, who then became his father-in-law. So back then, it was kind of normal for you to have an uncle who was also your father-in-law Twice. It was normal for you to marry your cousin and then marry her sister. I mean, I know it's kind of weird, and we're not going to go into it now. There were many other weird things, believe it or not. But we're not going to go into, into it now. But for many years, for approximately 20 years, Jacob finds himself in Laban's territory, working for him and being deceived by him. So he finds himself reaping some of the deceit that he sold in the past. And for 20 years, he goes through that, and then eventually he said, enough is enough. I'm going to get out of here. So he gets his two wives, he gets his 11 sons at that time, and every servant, every possession, every, you know, cattle and everything that he had, and he flees in the middle of the night. Needless to say, uh, Laban, his uncle, finds out, goes after him, very mad, goes after him. God gets a hold of him before he actually reaches Jacob and tells him in a dream to not hurt him because he wanted to kill him, but tell him, do not kill him, do not touch him. So he gets there, Jacob you know, gets caught, basically, and he receives a big lecture from his uh, uncle, and he says, I was going to kill you, but I didn't because God told me not to. And then eventually, they come to have a dinner. I mean, hanging out, having dinner, and they have a dinner, which is called a covenant dinner, which then just, it's basically both of them promising each other to, to not hurt each other. So can you imagine the emotional roller coaster of that day? That was a bad day, right? So... And while that's happening, he receives the news that his brother, the one who has been plotting to kill him for 20 years, is on his way towards Jacob with 400 men. So can you imagine that is a bad, bad day? And this is where we pick up. Um, in, Ge in Genesis chapter 32, 22, and we're going to read from here. Are you guys with me? Yes. All right, so verse 22 says this. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the men saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. When the men said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. And then he replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you're going to be called Israel because you have fought with God and men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I've seen the face of God and yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Now, I've heard the story of Jacob several times growing up in Bible school and in, in, in different settings. I've heard the story several times, but it's interesting 
how much you can learn from a Bible text like this once you stop and you analyze it and you break it down a little bit. So we're going to be camping in this text throughout the rest of the message today. Now, first, on verse 22, you notice that he sent, uh, he took his wives and his two sons, uh, his 11 sons, over to the Jabbok, over the Jabbok River. And then he sent all of his possessions and everything that he had. And then he stayed in the left side. He stayed before. Now, he had not, not one, but two wives. And he was still alone. He had 11 sons, and he was still alone. I have two sons, and even if I want to be alone, it's kind of hard. But he had 11 sons, and he was still alone. He had many possessions. He had many servants at his disposal. He had everything that somebody could want, and yet he was all alone. Isn't it common, very interesting, but it's very common, that very often we can have it all and still feel alone. Isn't that right? It's, I know it's not common for us to have two wives. Praise the Lord for that. But I know it's common for us to be married, for us to have, a, to have kids, to have a family, to have a good job, to have money in the bank, to have security, to have friendships and relationships and all of that. And still, we feel alone. The reason is because we're holding on to self. Holding on to self. And we, when we hold on to self, we end up trusting in ourselves in our own ability to achieve and to acquire the things that we want. We trust in ourselves, in our own abilities to do those things. So we start setting up, you know, the, the if-then scenarios. You know, if by this time next year I lose 25 pounds, then I'll be okay. If by this time next year I get married, then I'll be fine. Then I'll feel okay. If by this time next year I'm, I even have a boyfriend or girlfriend, then I'll be okay. If by this time next year you fill in the blank then I'll be okay. When we end up seeing our source of fulfillment in the wrong things, that's what happens. We end up seeing our source of fulfillment, our source of joy in the wrong things. The truth is, more often than not, we end up never even accomplishing these, uh, these goals. Why? Because we typically overestimate our ability to get it done in the period of time given, or we underestimate how difficult it is to do it. But the truth is, very often we end up not even achieving these things. We need to face and be prepared to face reality. We need to face reality and be realistic with what we know about ourselves. Just uh, this week, my wife Sarah called me. Actually, she texted me, um, telling me that, like, so excited, telling me that she signed up for a 5K run. You guys know what a 5K run is, right? Uh, so she signed up for the 5K run. She's so excited. And then I, I text her back and say, I'm excited for you, so happy for you, you know, kiss, 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 winky, winky, winky thing, you know, all of those uh, little emojis. And, uh, and, uh, and then I ask her a question. I say, is this for women only? Is this event for women only or can men run as well? And then she, with a smirk in her face, I know she's texting me, but I know she had a smirk in her face. She texts me back and she says, why, do you want to run? And then I text her back and I said, no, like only if they had a quarter K, you know, race. Like I'm never going to run a 5K race. You're crazy. But still, like I came a long way to analyze and to know that if I run a 5K race off the bat, I'll probably pass out on, I don't know, I don't even know when, but very, very, very short time. You know, and I came a long way about that. I came a long way into analyzing exactly where I was uh, so I don't, you know, shoot myself on the foot. Not too long ago. I was talking to Brian Barnes. You guys all know, know Brian Barnes. I was talking to Brian. I said, Brian, 
can you, can you help me train and can you help me get fit for my birthday? And then he's excited. He likes that kind of stuff, right? So he's excited. He goes like, sure, man. Yeah, absolutely. We can start training. So when's your birthday? And I said, Thursday. <laughs> so, yeah, I came a long way into really knowing where I am. You know, you laugh, but you got to be realistic. See, see, Jacob had separated himself with the Jabok River. Now, why is this important, Jabok River? Because Jabok comes from the Hebrew word that means to empty oneself. It means, it means empty. It means to empty itself as well. A couple of different translations in there. But so you can, you, you can see that he had everything that a man could want at that particular time, and yet he was empty. There was an emptiness separating him from the provision of God. There was an emptiness separating him from the blessing of God. There was an emptiness separating him from the calling and purpose of God. There was an emptiness separating him from the resources that God had already given him, but there was an emptiness emptiness in between what do you do when you know you have it all when you know you have the family of four that you've always dreamed us four no more and yet you feel empty when you finally get that promotion that you've been dreaming of and yet and yet you feel empty when you finally get the boyfriend and, and he proposes and everything is going well and yet you feel empty what do you do you know when we hold on to self the truth is that we can have it all and still feel empty. If we, don't, if we don't let go of ourselves and hold on to God, this is what we feel. We can have it all and still feel emptiness. The emptiness that we feel, however, can only be filled by God's presence. It can only be filled by God's presence. Amen. There's not a thing, there's not a person that can fill that void, that emptiness inside of us because it's a God-sized gap. You know, there's, there's small, there's medium, there's large, there's super-sized, if you like McDonald's. But then there's God-sized. And there's nothing that can fill a God-sized gap. Only God can fill a God-sized gap. Amen, everybody? So in verse 24, Jacob was all alone. But then all of a sudden, he realizes he's not as alone as he thought he was. This man shows up, and this man was God. The theological term is a theophany. Come on, say theophany. Look at your neighbor, say theophany. All right, I know you have no idea what you're talking about, but you sound really smart. So anyways, there's a theophany. And a theophany is a physical manifestation of God, like a hum in, hu in human form. In the New Testament, that physical manifestation of in human form of God, that's Jesus. But in the Old Testament, whenever God wanted to show up literally in person, he would use a theophany to be there. So say theophany. So, so he shows up at that particular time. Now, David, you guys remember what kind of day he's having. He's having the worst day of his life. His life is literally coming to an end. His brother's coming after him. He has no way to outrun his brother. He's certainly going to be killed. He, he, he just cheated death with his uh, uh, uncle, but Esau, his brother, was coming to kill him. He's been plotting for 20 years to do that. So he's in the darkest moment in his life, and then right there, God shows up. So I want to encourage you today that whatever it is that you're going through in your darkest moment, when you feel all alone, when you feel empty, when you feel there's no more way out, when you feel that, you find, that you're coming to the end of yourself, God shows up. Amen. God does. He does. He does. He shows up. He is especially showing up exactly when you need it. Sometimes not when you think you need it. Because every time 
when, when we think we need God, sometimes there are things that we still need to work on. Sometimes there are things that, that are still in our plate. It's our responsibility to do. But when you really need him, he shows up. Can I have an amen? amen. So Jacob has been running his whole life, whole life. And he's in distress. He's exhausted emotionally, physically. And then this man shows up and he starts to wrestle with him. So this man could be anyone for from the way, from, from where he was standing, he could be an assassin sent from his uncle Laban, who would have then deceived him one more time. It could, have been, it could have been an assassin sent by his brother to kill him. It could have been anyone. So he gets up and he starts fighting. Now hear me on this. I don't believe, I don't believe that God just showed up and say, you know, like when all Bruce Lee on him, you know, like getting ready and doing all the, ooh, like all those things. And, and, then, and, then, and then he goes like, you know, the, the subtitles, nope. Are you ready to fight? No, no. You know, God does not do that. God, I know that God went there. And as God got there, my, my uh, interpretation of this, he got there and he, he tried to embrace him. He tried to embrace him. Now, why do I tell you this? Because I, I, have, I have an example in my own life of this. Two years ago, give or take, my son Lucas was just having tantrum after tantrum. He was very defiant. He wasn't listening. He was just having like a bad, bad couple of days. And there was a time that I sat down in the bottom of the stairs, like on the bottom of the stairs, and I grabbed him, and he was fighting me. He was pushing me. He was almost biting me. He, he, he wanted to get out of it, and he just wanted to continue to be who he was. I wasn't squeezing him. I wasn't hurting him in any way, shape, or form. I gave him enough space so he could have, you know, he could battle a little bit. But I'm stronger. Remember, I'm Superman. No, I'm kidding. Um, so I, I just hold him, and I'm praying for him. And he's struggling with me so much. And I continue to pray for him. And he's struggling. And I continue to pray for him. And I continue to pray for him. And eventually, he wears down. Eventually, he just gave up. And eventually, he hugged me. And he didn't want to let go. I believe that when God shows, showed up here, he didn't show up to beat Jacob. Jacob did that on his own. He didn't show up to just destroy Jacob. And if he did, he wouldn't have lasted all night. He would have done that in a second. But he came in and embraced Jacob. And Jacob took a while. The Bible says that he was fighting. He was fighting all night. I don't know if you ever participating in any kind of MMA or UFC or, or watched any, any kind of, you know, fighting uh, uh, programs and stuff like that. But there's, there's a reason why these uh, regulated fights, they have rounds. And then the rounds, they are a certain amount of minutes. And then you have breaks in between. And there's a maximum amount of rounds. You know why? Because it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. I remember one time I was, I was just a little kid and I had my first little fight. You know, my first little altercation. It was about a girl. Of course, it was always about a girl with me. So anyways, I, 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 I'm ready to go. You know, I used to do martial arts too as a kid. Uh, and I'm ready to go. And, you know, me and my friends are there. I'm like, okay, this is going to go down right now. And we're going to resolve this right now. And then we go for it. And then when we go for it, both of us, we trip and we fall. And then our friends come and separate us. And I remember just getting up. Like I was so confused. I didn't know where my opponent was. And I remember getting up and just saying, okay, is it over? Is it over? Like, who won? Like, I didn't even know who won. And I remember just being like, almost like, you know, trying to catch my breath. And I was so exhausted. I was drained, you know, mentally. 
because of that little fight. And the whole thing probably lasts four seconds. Now, the Bible says that Jacob, even though he was on the run, even though he was physically and emotionally exhausted, he fought with God. He wrestled with God. He resisted God all night. All night. Can you imagine that? All night. And here's the kicker. He wasn't like a 508er. He was 97 years old at that particular time. 97 years old. And he wrestled with God his whole, the whole night. But when Jacob, when the man sees that Jacob would not relent, that Jacob would not give up, he broke his hip. And at that point, Jacob already recognized that he was fighting or struggling or wrestling, not with any ordinary man. He was fighting with God. He was struggling with God. And then he makes a switch because he had a choice. Do I hold on to God and do I let go of my insecurities? Because he was dealing with his insecurities, with his fears, with his anxieties, everything. Do I hold on to God? Do I trust God enough to hold on to him and let go of everything else? Because to this moment, everything that he did, it was on his own intellect. It was on his own mind. It was just a reaction to an action. But he had not. He, had, he didn't have God involved in this thing. So he had an option. Do I, do I hold on to God and let go of my past? Or do I still hold on to my past and let go of God? And in that moment, he says, I won't let you go. He says to God, I won't let you go until you bless me. I'm stuck with you, God, until you bless me. Now get this. This is a very important little piece here. In the middle of all of that, in the middle of the struggle, God, or the man, asks Jacob, what is your name? I mean, who does that? In the middle of a fight, you know, by the way, dude, what's your name? You know, that doesn't happen. You know, but, but, but he did. He was like, what is your name? And of course, that was God. God knew who he was. But he asks, what is your name? Now, there's a reason why he asks. 20 years ago, he was asked the same question by his father Isaac. When he was trying to trick his father into giving him the blessing, he's asked the same question. Who are you? His father was old and basically blind. And he dressed himself like Esau. He put goat skins around his neck because Esau was hairy and he wasn't. He put Esau's clothes so he wouldn't even smell like Esau. He needed to pretend he was somebody he was not to get what he wanted. 20 years ago, he did that. And then he was reaping the consequences of it for 20 years. Now, 20 years forward, he's face, facing God. He's right in front of God. And God asked the same question, who are you? That's when he came to his senses that's when he decided to stop running that's when he decided to give up and he said I'm Jacob I'm Jacob now Jacob the meaning of Jacob is deceiver the meaning of Jacob is is supplanter so but he had to recognize where he was in order for him to go where God needed him to go where God had plans for him so he decides to face who he is and he says, I'm Jacob, and I get some areas in my life that I need your touch. I have some areas in my life that I need your help because I'm just not able to do this on my own anymore. It's not working anymore. And it was on that moment that God moved in his life. Amen, everybody? Now, hear me clearly. If you truly want to be blessed, if you truly want to be able to reach into the blessing that God has already given you, the blessing that is already in store for you, it's time that we need, it's time that we let go of the weight of somebody else's identity. 
Let me say it this way. I'm not saying that you're, let's say, hypothetically, you're David and you pretend you're John. I mean, that would be identity theft. And you should let go of that too. But that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that very often we accept Christ into our lives. Very often we, we come to church, we do the right thing, but then we still have the old identity with us. We still have, we're still carrying the weight of somebody else's identity. And that somebody else is our old identity, is our old self. And in order for you to grab a hold of what God has for you, we have to let go of our past and hang on to God. Amen. Now, the, the thing that, what makes it so hard for so many people to hang on to God and let go of the past is because very often we are so much worried, we're so more focused on what we have to give up rather than what we have to gain. God has amazing things for each one of us, but we need to let go of the past and we need to hold on to God. Amen? So, after that, the Bible says that the sun started to shine on Jacob. Now Israel. He was now called Israel. And Israel was walking and he had a limp. So he was walking and he had a limp. Now one thing I know is that when you have a true encounter with God, you start to walk differently. You start to walk differently when you have an encounter with God. You walk differently. You look at things differently. Bible says that we should look at things through, not through our own eyes, but through faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we should walk by faith and not by sight. So when we have an encounter with God, we walk differently. So when I look at my life and I see that I, th that I have things that are messed up in my life, you know, I, I can choose to believe that and just let it take over, let it take me over. Or I can choose to listen to faith. And faith tells me that everything works for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose. If I look at my marriage and I see that there are things that are not where they're supposed to be and culture today encourages me to let go, faith tells me to hold on because the cry, because the difficulty, because the struggle may last a whole night. A whole night. But the joy comes in the morning. When, you receive, when I receive a doctor's report, and that says that I'm sick and that's very unlikely that I can be healed. I can choose to believe that and walk by sight. but Or I can walk by faith and, and remember that the Bible says that by his stripes I'm already healed. You see, it changes the way you walk once you have an encounter with God. It changes the way you walk through your pain. It changes the way you walk through your struggles. It changes the way you walk through your setbacks. Because you no longer walk by sight, but you walk by faith. And it's then and only then... That we can live by his promises and the Bible is full of God's promises but in order for us to be able to take a hold of God's promises and apply it to our lives and be able to be bold about it we have to let go of the past and hang on to God and when we do that we walk through life we walk through our issues we walk through our problems with power and authority yes. can I have an amen, amen. now Isaac Isaac gave the blessing to Jacob and he had to stand he gave the blessing to Jacob 20 years before and then 20 years later finally he, he, he was able to grab a hold of the blessing and start walking towards his calling start walking towards his purpose how long will it take you how long will it take you to let go of your past to let go of the things that you're struggling with 
How long will it take you to stop resisting God and literally hold on to Him? How long? Just going to let you ponder a little bit. Now, before we close, I just want to call your attention to one more little detail. Let's see if you can catch this in these scriptures. The Bible says in Genesis 28, 13, it says this. And God was standing there beside him, saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. There's another verse here. Genesis 32, 9 says this. Then Jacob prayed, Oh, God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac. Did you guys catch it already? Okay, I'm going to give you one more. Genesis 31, 42 says this. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac, had not been with me, certainly now you would have sent me off empty-handed. Do you see what I'm trying to show you? What's the common thread here? What's the common denominator? See, all of these verses were before Jacob had an encounter with God. And Jacob is referring to God, and even God is, is referring to himself as the God of Abraham, his grandfather, as the God of Isaac, his father, but not the God of Jacob. It wasn't until he had an encounter with God that that changed. Until then, he was riding in his grandfather's and his father's faith. He was riding in his grandfather's and his father's favor. He was riding in his grandfather's and his father's blessing and calling and purpose and protection and everything else. But he wasn't submitted to God as his Lord. Now, once he had the encounter with God, that changed. Look at what it says in Genesis 33, 20. And he set up, he being Jacob, and Jacob set up an altar there and called it God, the God of Israel. Until he had an encounter with God, he never really knew God. He knew of God, but he didn't know God. He did not know God. And he did not submit to God. Once he had an encounter with God, then he was able to look at God and say, my God, my God. When you have an encounter with Jesus, it's no different. We can accept Christ into our lives. We can reap the benefits of that relationship. But we have a choice. Do I want to continue to live my own way? Do I want to continue to carry that old ID with me that every now and then it resurfaces? Or do I want to submit to God and to Jesus as my Lord? It's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Let's stand on our feet. Maybe you're here today and you're, and you're exhausted. And sometimes you may, you may not even know why. Could it be that you're wrestling with God this whole time? Could it be that you're resisting God this whole time? I'll tell you what, God is stronger, much stronger, and he will continue to embrace you. He will continue to embrace you. But the process can be very tiring. So then the question I want you to ask yourself, is it time that maybe you just let go of yourself and you hold on to God? Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, let's just give a little bit of privacy for everyone around you. If you're here today and you've never 
established a relationship with Christ. In order for you to submit to his lordship, you first need to invite him into your life. You first need to invite him into your heart. And if you're here today, you've never done that, and you're tired of running, you're tired of trying to make it on your own and just hitting wall after wall after wall. And every now and then you even take one step forward and you feel glad about it, but then you end up taking two steps backward. One more step forward, two steps backward. You don't have to be a math whiz to see where this ends up. If that's you and you're ready and willing to surrender your life to Jesus today, and you're ready and willing to invite him into your, into your heart, into your life, and accept his payment at the cross, his sacrifice at the cross as payment for all of your sins, past, present, future. If that is you today, between me, you, and God, again, every head bowed, every eye closed, between you, me, and God, please raise your hand right now, boldly. I see that hand, I see that hand, thank you. I see that hand, thank you. I see that hand in the back. I see that, I see that hand, thank you, sir. I see that hand, thank you. I see the hand back. Thank you. Praise God. Now, to the other group of people that I want to pray for right now. If you're here today and you even already invited Christ into your life, you're, you already confessed Him to be your Savior, but you're still holding on to stuff in the past. Here you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to let go of all of that stuff, all of that baggage, and hold on to God. If that is you today, if you want to hold on to God and let go of the past, just raise your hand. Praise the Lord. See hands all over the room. All over the room. I think we all can use that. All right, church, just pray with me. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart right now I surrender to you I give up trying to do it on my own I have no more strength I have no more strategy my only hope is you I submit to you as my Lord and as my Savior take me on the journey that you have for me on the purpose that you have for me and from this day forward I live for you in Jesus name all right father God thank you so much Lord for everyone that is here today everybody that raised their hands God they recognize that there are areas in their lives God that still need to be submitted to you that still need to be treated God, I pray that you just come into our lives God give us the strength give us the wisdom give us Lord the courage to face not who we think we are, but to face who we really are and to be able to, to, to just move to where you want us to be and to be who you created us to be. Lord, just give us the strength that can only come from you. Help us to see you, Lord, as the only source in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give God a big hand.